Welcome to Tactical Permaculture. I've worked on projects ranging from the poorest to richest clients, from inner cities to suburbs to farmlands to remote wilderness, from the eco-war front lines to celebrity backyards. In over 25 years of service to the earth and the community of life, I've learned that in the fight for sustainable survival, growing is half the battle. Go to tacticalpermaculture.com for more info. You gotta train for me Because I'm training for you We gotta love, love And revolution to do You better train for me You'll be training for you June 17th, 2023, episode 64 Taking this opportunity to acknowledge the fact that I'm entering into this the third round of the three months of the year of debilitating heat 24-7 for three months straight and there's there will be very few moments of of relief between now and mid-September for me as as it has been over the last uh, the last two summer cycles that I have been at this location with no AC and minimal minimal shade minimal power electrical power very very humble and small-scale solar system, solar-powered system. Three marine batteries and only a few hundred watts of panels, basically. And I would like to scale that up, but probably not to the point of running even the lowest capacity AC units. So I've done a lot of research and development and study ancient technologies working with water and air and this sort of alchemy between those two uh, in the absence personally of the ability to really deeply burrow underground um, and be a cave dweller of sorts or a deep burrow dweller where I could really avail myself of the, the 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 tragic irony that that very comfortable temperatures are static just only a few feet beneath the surface of the of the earth in most places year round there's a pretty stable human friendly temperature there's other things like radon and other concerns obviously creatures underground you'd have to compete with um and be concerned about but at this point yeah given the state of the economy and my net worth I've uh, I'm not even doing any more window shopping as it were literally well figuratively speaking now in the in the in the internet age window shopping it means something different now than it used to (laughs) browser window shopping I guess it is 
but I'm not, I've stopped torturing myself with browser window shopping on what would be the most elegant potential way to MacGyver some means to retreat underground to avail myself of those those moderate temperatures um, even if just for a few hours during the peak heat of each day and then come out um, and have it be set up for for this sort of uh, well, what's what's some what a way of thinking about the same concept of uh, hybrid or amphibious? It would be um, subterranean and and terranean, I guess. So whatever that word is, maybe for the the animals that uh, have that good sense, the meerkats that I've spoken about before, and many other animals that they sometimes spend either the cold season or the dry or the hot season completely hibernating in some in some environment that's that's uh hospitable for them and just go into a deep meditation for months and don't even barely move if at all and are able to be frozen for example i know there's some aquatic organisms that just go into a sort of cryogenic meditation for the season where they're frozen solid but there's some molecular dance that they do some kind of alchemy that they do to get through it so i'm kind of trying to be in solidarity with those animals that just adapt to extreme weather and, and, and temperature um adapt to extreme extremes and just embrace the suck and deal with it and I have a yeah I've, I've built out a few um I would say partially successful experiments but but what I've discovered is that what it what it would come down to is just more investment in more solar power and more battery banks and I'm I'm I've decided that uh well well it's not financially impossible it's something i would try to limit as far as extravagance in that department um because i know that unless this year which because of el nino el nino it very well could be a year where where i just get cooked to death and i hope that my that my trust documents are well preserved with my my legal counsel and my successor trustees and whatnot (laughs) and um and that'll be the rest will be history i'm i'm i think i'm prepared in in more ways than i ever have been before today is a better day to die than yesterday and tomorrow will be a better day to die than today in terms of the way i'm doing this sort of swedish death cleaning as they as it were if you look that up it's sort of this concept of if you're an empty nester, which I'm a uh, practice what you preach, visectomized population minimalist. So I'm, I've always been an empty nester and I always will be an empty, empty nester. Um, but for those who are quote unquote, and with all due respect, breeders who I do respect, 
um, if they're making a best effort to be holistic about it and I have people in my life who I respect their holistic parenting efforts and there are people in my life who I who I feel like are are not stepping up as much as as, as I as I'd hoped they would but I'm not here to criticize anybody I'm here to stay out of the way of the people who are taking on that responsibility um, but for the purposes of defining my knowledge from reading just one article it's not like it's part of my heritage or anything but the Swedish death cleaning subculture I suppose whatever there is to say about it anthropologically it's this phenomenon where being death positive is one way to put it people would say if we don't have a full family in this house maybe we should maybe we should be more minimalistic about about how 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 much flair there is all over the place and maybe we we could get rid of things we don't use box things up and ultimately whether it's just purging things to be more of a minimalist and have less stuff and clutter beyond just that which anybody can kind of purge clutter now more easily than ever with with the the platforms on the internet that make it so you don't even have to <laughs> you don't even have to do a garage sale you can make qr codes for everything you know with an app and put them on some app and get rid of them whatever however however people are doing it these days but back in my day there was a bit of overhead and a bit of energy cost to setting up a a yard sale and probably ending up with a lot of it still having to be to be a burden um but taking it a step further is what i understand these swedish death um what what do they call it? I just uh, blanked out on the the last the last word. Um, this cult, this subculture that that uh, that I referred to correctly earlier. Uh, there goes. The, I'm gonna blame the heat for for nuking my my cognitive abilities at this moment. Um, my understanding is that what they're doing is. They're making it easy for, they're, they're taking, picking up some of the slack of the burden that will, by default, land on their heirs, most likely, their next of kin, or whoever is closest in their sphere, however that shakes out, but knowing that, knowing that there's no excuse because you don't have the excuse of taking care of and raising your family now if you're an empty nester then it makes sense that while you have all of your cognition and all of your physical ability that you should streamline your your physical existence sort of physical footprint in your home not not to make it be as barren as a jail cell or a hotel room or something 
but somewhere in between, somewhere on a continuum of maybe a nice hotel room and what you've been used to makes some sense so that at least files are organized, things that you know you're going to hand down are very clearly marked in a way, but maybe not with like a tag hanging off of them, but maybe just set in a manner where you have some sort of inventory and more than just a a will or a last will and testament or, or revocable living trust or whatever you have that's in a document form. Just whatever you can think of to make it easy. And like spring cleaning is something that we've all heard of. I think, I don't know if it's lasted into this new generation, but to my generation, spring cleaning was this sort of almost like this New Year's resolution kind of thing where I don't know what the background is of it, the the folklore of it, but people would talk about it maybe... If it's not, maybe, I, w- I guess I would surmise that it's no longer so freezing cold in a lot of places that you can actually move around more freely. And maybe things have been kind of piling up over the winter. And so now that it's a little more forgiving in terms of temperatures, you could do some spring cleaning and just make, make do a little makeover on your, on, on your, your realm. So... For a lot of reasons, we're very, in the West, uh, very death negative and missing and lacking a lot of the death doula kind of Tibetan Book of the Dead style traditions of um, spending more time and effort preparing for the inevitable psychologically and financially and logistically than other cultures that have preserved those traditions. So... Yeah, I don't want to be culturally misappropriating what is it? Uh, the Swedish death cleaning. Is that what I called it? And now I'm totally confused, but um, bear with me. I'm not going to... I'm not going to extend this much further, this one point. But when I heard about this concept, I started. I started applying it, and I really appreciated it because again my one saying is useful uh make every day a good day to die and make every day a good day to die and it'll be a better day to live and that to me sounds very life affirming and not negative pessimistic or low vibe (laughs) to me that's very high vibe and it has a lot to do with not leaving a mess and just trying to be elegant and I mean if you need an excuse to downsize your excessive materialistic lifestyle then at the very least think about who's going to have to deal with it I mean maybe it's a line item in your life insurance policy that you're going to hire some company to come and like like professional movers you know kind of life insurance policy uh professional movers after you're dead kind of a service i'm sure that i'm sure that's a niche i don't i've never seen any advertising for it but uh maybe it's bundled with all kinds of other 
mortuary services that they would do that for you and, and try to actually connect the dots between what's on a will and what's actually in the estate on a property. I'm sure there are professionals who, 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 who do that kind of work. Um, but I think that's out of reach for a lot of people. Most people are pretty down to earth financially in terms of the statistics of the world economy. So it makes probably more sense to be DIY and do it yourself. And, uh, yeah, I think about if I fail in my experience, my experiment to be a desert camping survivalist, I'll, uh, when, um, when Cody Lundin, the desert survivalist par excellence was on Mike Ritland's former Navy SEAL and, and, uh, master, uh, dog rescuer and trainer, Mike Ritland's Mic Drop podcast is where it was that I believe I heard Cody Lundin say that if you're out in the desert with all your kit, that's fucking camping, dude. I think that was those were his exact words. So because I'm out here and what what Mike Glover is calling fire bases because of his his um, elite army background now with his uh his fieldcraft survival um brand building out fire bases which has got to be has got to be a, a term that um that gets under the skin of some of the three-letter agencies that are, are stalking him. Um, but I, I, appreciate, I appreciate his work. And if, if you were a fan of mine going back many years or, 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 or just in the very recent chapters of my life or chapter of my life you may be more on the extreme left uh, spectrum and maybe not be as big of a fan of, of his work as I'm becoming but I'm learning a lot from these uh, elite former Green Berets and Navy SEALs and whatnot, and they're they're teaching me a lot about how to be anti-establishment without being a Kool-Aid drinker of either the left or the right. And they have had to navigate being puppeteered by trends within both the left and right and both of the dominant parties because they're the ones who have to take the orders that come from the administrations and some of them serve in the military um, spanning multiple different administrations and they got to get jerked around by different policy agendas and whatnot. So I'm really learning to appreciate the, I don't want to call it anarchism, but I will call it um, very fierce uh, intellectual um, 
autonomy that that some of these individuals the 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 smart and hard individuals coming out of the special forces of all the branches i'm really appreciating their perspectives and um and so when i hear things like these nodes in a network of training civilians and doing knowledge transfer from elite special forces retired to civilians to do for civilians what they had been paid by Uncle Sam to do for foreign uh, insurgent or or counterinsurgent depending on the the weather basically of the politics at the time but I paraphrase but it is a sentiment that I think is important as a civilian, what I what I what did I call it? Anarcho-American paramilitarist is what I would call myself now. <laughs> um, I used to have a black flag. I used to have an American flag on my denim vest, my black denim vest that I I sewed it on upright, but I used a a, a permanent marker to 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 to. Uh, to uh, blacken it so it was a blackened upright American flag and one of my more uh, or less patriotic extremist bandmates at the time said to me basically dude we can't be seen with you with that flag upright I'm like dude but I, I painted I, I, I colored it black it's a black American upright flag and he said no you can't do that you got to turn it around. You got to, <laughs> you got to, you got to take it off and turn it upside down. And I guess, I guess I can't remember now what I did, if I just got rid of it or I, I took it off or, but I, I'm pretty sure I complied in order to be, he, he also, he also uh, peer pressured me into becoming fully vegetarian, um, which I regret because now I have hell to pay in terms of my digestive system. So there were lethal memes coming out of the left that I'm still paying hell for. And uh, and now, if I could go back to that moment, and I would say, knowing what I know now, if I knew it then, I would I would I would have grabbed him and by the, the scruff of the neck and pushed him against the wall and said, you're not going to make me a vegetarian with your intellectual greeny weeny lefty bullying and and you're not going to make me turn my my flag upside down because i i support the troops even though even though i had a a statement that said die for oil sucker all the jello biafra also written on on that jacket um so but again as i'm learning from them it's one thing to be to be a choose my words carefully here um, to to pledge allegiance to a nation and to be critical of the heads of that nation state that's my centrist moderate way of putting it now after coming from the extreme left being being against the extreme right and now learning from the folks who are level-headed from the military who 
who are as deeply critical and deeply skeptical of the government, so to speak, the state, as I've ever been, and in some ways way more than I could ever be because of how they've been chewed up and spit out by it as veterans with great ailments that they can't even medicate themselves with cannabis for. Anyway, I digress. But the idea of Firebase build-outs what that what this sort of tangent comes back to for me and this desert survival camping uh to with all to pay my respect to Cody Lundin I know I'm fucking camping dude because I have my kit and that's not desert survival but hear me out this is Operation Tactical Permaculture, the way I named my video game. This is the way that Jeff Lawton talked about, and I'll paraphrase a bit, but basically dialing in the logistics of establishing a permaculture installation site anywhere in the world where you give him basically the GPS coordinates and he does all of the legwork to determine the climate type, the soil type, the human population considerations, political considerations, everything that would go into planning of any kind of dropping of any kind of elite unit. And knowing what to pack into those containers that would be that would be brought in by whatever was the appropriate um, vector but basically anywhere in the world he would be able to in a relatively short amount of time assemble the the packing list, this the uh, the slip sheets. What do they call it? The uh, the manifest, whatever whatever logistic uh, terminology you want to use to basically oh yeah to palletize and fill these containers with all the things that he would need to create a climate appropriate designer food forest. Permaculture installation anywhere in the world scaled to the budget supplied so so what that's what i to, so to me yeah i'm not doing desert survival myself and tempting fate with the temp with the heat and with the uh with the, the scorpions and the black widows and everything else that i my own aging and my own uh issues like rotating and identifying potential bed sores and and chronic nosebleeds and uh, just trying to not have anything create an infection internally or externally because of how dire the consequences would be if I if there were to be an infection running rampant and obviously moderating all forms of sugar to prevent overgrowth of any kind of um, fungal infections because of how conducive this uh, 
temperature is and how much moisture I have to layer on myself in order to survive in the heat, in order to get the uh, the evapotranspiration effects going on so that I can maintain a livable body temperature even though my mind is <laughs> is 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 becoming uh, hallucinatory because of the heat a, a three-month fever dream is what I called it before and now it's just starting up again and for me I don't have the 10-year combat experience background to call or to hope to create to fund and roll out and build out fire bases for civilians to experience a knowledge transfer so they can get squared away and be fit to defend their communities um, the best I can do in the spirit of being a looking up to those those folks and honoring them closest and best thing I can do to be in solidarity with them given my narrow range of experience as a as an eco warrior gorilla eco gorilla warrior at best I can just be one node individually myself being the change I want to see in the world and living and pushing the limits of the research and development for this sort of concept which I'm not proselytizing I'm just doing it because it's the card that was dealt to me and the card that I'm playing this very, to me, very thin line between desert survival and and glamping with your kit and everything. But the reason why it's, imp- the reason why it's important to, for me to I'm, I don't need to, nobody needs me to reinvent the wheel of desert survival, meaning I'm going to just go out and figure out how to extract water from plants to survive and eat bugs and go as long as I can the time out doing that as though I was in a in some sort of uh isolated disaster incident where I was completely cut off with no rescue communications and had to use a signal mirror and had to I mean I'm I've trained in a lot of those survival scenario situations, but what I'm doing now is very much of a hybrid, and the the line is very thin because I don't get to shower and I don't get to go back to anything like AC or any creature comforts um, that you would get if you were to be a weekend warrior or whatever and go and be a survival camper and just do it for fun on the weekends or whatever. So I get that sentiment that Corey or Cody Lundin was was expressing. Um, and so if I were to have to defend 
my masculinity or my manhood doing what I'm doing, the idea is that I'm trying to do the research and development to say, how can I discover survive uh, ways to survive how what's the minimum because I, I I don't know I didn't green the desert the way Jeff Lawton already did and I don't have I've never had the budgets and I don't have the experience um, that he has for him to say you tell me when and where and how much money and I will and I will load containers with what I need to establish a permaculture system anywhere in the world. I want, to me, that's as much as Mike Glover wants to empower people with fire bases around the country. That's, for me, the parallel initiative for me because I don't, I don't have those means and I don't have that experience. And I applaud that, that he and others are doing that. Knowledge transfer. I'm trying to build up my ability to um, someday be a, a fraction of the the of the stature of Jeff Lawton as my as my most esteemed permaculture hero, and and really. Ultimately, the um, not 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 to uh, not to implicate him in any way, shape, or form, but to salute him in a way of seeding my intellectual journey of tactical permaculture in the canonical, what I would call canonical Tagari uh, permaculture design course DVD set of Bill Mollison and Jeff Lawton where he talks about and is very explicit about what his intentions would be if he had a military budget to do permaculture. So to me, that was the, that was the, the kernel of tactical permaculture in my mind. And that goes back to over 10 years that I, when I first encountered that. And, uh, I'm not uh, directly affiliated with him and I will do my best not to reflect poorly upon him and try to not give permaculture a black eye by doing anything wrong. And as Paul Wheaton says, if it stinks, you're doing it wrong. So I'm probably the only thing that stinks and there's not too much I can do about that. But as far as my systems, no, there's not giant piles of toxic rotting waste that's not being effectively dispersed and pulsed through the system. You know, I'm I'm I don't have um, gnarly agricultural uh, poor practices of animal husbandry that are attracting masses of flies and pests and yeah, all the things that conventional and and uh, and, and even to some extent non permaculturally informed um, organic farming that they're all guilty of. So yeah. If I can, if I can do all of my heroes a favor by not making permaculture look bad because of my own failures, 
and I follow some of the principles I learned from them, then I I would say I'm I'm on the right path. And uh, it's a very humble path. To me, just surviving is enough. That's about as much as I can hope to inspire people is that, well, I did something that most people probably will not do. They'll be shacked up in cooling centers. They will be retreating into air conditioning. Or they will be vastly augmenting off-grid solar uh, power capacity so that they can run forms of AC. Um, But I will invoke this again. One of my biggest heroes who I had the direct experience of enjoying the the uh earth tube system that 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 was uh, in place at at Warren Brush's abode within the Quail Springs permaculture eco village that I got to visit and and volunteer on for for a minute and was one of the probably one of the most important educational and spiritual ecological experiences of my life and I will always be trying to replicate in in humble form the the grandeur of what I experienced there but yeah I know I know what's possible and I know what threshold I'm at with adding to my solar system so that I could have more more fan more fan power to power my already built earth tube system that's in place but is lacking probably a 5x solar panel surface area and 5x battery bank and now we're talking about funds that I that I could have put to use and deployed and realized paper paper gains and the height of a bubble but didn't and therefore I'm forced to (laughs) for better or worse and maybe it'll be the death of me MacGyver these more ancient techniques and I'm going to say I'm going to embrace that and make the best of it because most people can't just say oh I'm going to expose myself to the extremes of human survival uh survivability um up until the point that i tap out because i can afford to go back to the city or i can afford to go get a hotel or i can afford to even sit in my vehicle and burn fuel to run the ac in my vehicle or whatever all those cheats that can be done and i don't want to say that to put people down who you know, I, I want to say that for me, I would consider it a uh, tapping out of the of the survival experiment, experiment that I'm in, which is which is in solidarity with the people who don't have any choice whatsoever, and which could be more people as climate refugees increase. But the psychology that I'm in, which is an extremist. Well, a polit- now more now more of a politically centrist, but more of an uh, more of a uh, an ecological or, or spiritual ex- extremist. I'm saying to myself, there are people in the world who who can't tap out of being a climate refugee, and because of my privilege, I'm not saying that I'm 
that I'm um, plagued with a form of 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 social justice warrior guilt that's motivating me. I just feel like I want to be badass and I want to be hard and I want to be hard to kill and I want to be versatile and I want to know my limits. So there's no performative posturing, culturally appropriating, look at me, be an indigenous wannabe or whatever. No, I'm 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 doing my walkabout without being performative about it other than talking about my experience right now. But the fact is, if I wanted to tap out, I could. I could go be I could go be homeless on Skid Row and spend the heat of the day at the public library and uh, figure out a way to bury my head in a book and take a nap without anybody knowing and just maybe try to go to a fountain to rinse off so I don't stink the place up and get kicked out. And I would be a high-functioning, yet mentally struggling homeless person like a lot of my homeless um, peers or houseless peers, uh, vehicle-dwelling peers. So that is, if I were to tap out of what I've put myself in, this permaculture uh, oasis base, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what the comparison would be, but it's not a fire base because I'm not heavily armed. Uh, I will leave it to your imagination how lightly or moderately armed I am, but I'm not. I I don't think I am yet heavily armed enough to call this a fire base, although maybe I would call it an all-elements base. That's what I would call it. I would call it an all-elements base, and uh, and that that will be the 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 beautiful synthesis of of uh, of the 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 warrior poet uh, hippie. T- uh, tipping my hat and saluting the the Vietnam veterans turned anti-war activists and the 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 synthesis of the best of the hippie movement and the best of the of the highest integrity um, war heroes of the Vietnam era. So yes, let's evolve to where. All of the fire bases of the world let they may they all evolve into all element bases where we have tactical permaculture, okay? That would be my prayer. Uh, so here I am doing my all element base without a lot of support, without a lot of guys to my right and my left whose backs I watch and 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 that my back is watched by them. This is very much a lone wolf operation. And I've this is my third summer that I'm coming into now. And I and I'm using this opportunity to put on record for myself, for posterity, for future generations to study my evolving relationship with um the fight for sanity that is surviving climate change and whether you blame people or not you're going to die you're a climate denier you're probably going to die if you don't adapt 
So everybody has to adapt whether they blame humans or not for off-the-charts record-breaking temperatures. And there's no, to me in my mind, there's no guarantee that what worked for me the year before last and what worked for me last year is going to keep me alive this year. And I have some strategies that I did iterate upon I'm going to leave it a surprise because I want to tell the, I want to do the unboxing. I want to tell the whole story of how I implement it. I'm now, as of today, just beginning to reinstitute my policy of wrapping fabric around my neck and around my head that's dipped in water and, and cleansed during each cycle throughout the day with a bit of a, of a, a very natural shea butter olive whatever kind of kind of granola e um uh body wash that that I was turned on to by one of my beloveds many years ago it was probably one of the best fruits of our of our many miniature open relationship that we had um was she gifted me this product and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do product placement and try to get sponsored or anything but I will say well it, it was uh it was probably one of the best gifts of my life and so without naming it I will say that uh it 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 makes natural uh uh body wash products makes it it makes them look real good and and I'm definitely I would definitely never go back to a lot of the toxic chemicals and a lot of the skin drying uh formulas for what people use and 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 there's an argument to be made not to be killing all of the microbiology on your skin all the time so I use it very sparingly uh but it has done very well for me to just clean wounds and kind of you know i mean just the way you would use aloe naturally by breaking the plant open and rubbing it on your skin or using honey to seal a burn or something very naturalistic very ancient primal um plants that are basically the, the blood of the plant or the product of the process for example honey it, it is just perfectly suited to provide an antiseptic and temporary easily um uh degradable barrier between the microbial uh, vectors of, the, of 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 everything on the outside world and this 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 uh breach of the skin somewhere anyway it's been helpful in a lot of ways and i use it for for just scalp gets itchy after sweating because of the sun and moving around anytime any like sweat is my enemy a lot of the time and that was even something Les Stroud said certainly in the cold sweat can kill you you don't work up a sweat in freezing temperatures because that can make uh make you dead real quick um but for me that's true to some extent in the cold months but in the in the just anytime if my scalp sweats, I keep my head shaved for the most part um, because 
if and when I exert myself to a point during any time of the year where there's a sweat, it's going to make, because I don't have, you know, I'm not spoiled with a lot enough water to shower as regularly as I would have if I lived in the city. I have to do the sponge bath lifestyle. And so <laughs> this kind of very natural body wash just with a little bit of water, that that's the kind of thing that will that will keep a very hygienic scalp for me and a lot of hygienic other places, if you know what I mean. Um, but so I use little just drops of that mixed in a little dog food bowl of water and I dip my head wrap fabric and make my little handkerchief style bandana out of it. Um, and then I, I take a similar sized rectangular uh, fabric, maybe two feet wide by three and a half feet long, I would say, for both of them. And one of them gets dunked in that soapy water, not really sudsy, but just mildly, mildly uh, soap infused, if you will. And, uh, and that seems to, and has been able to sort of interrupt the bacterial cycles of growth that would make it smell like nasty gym socks after a few hours. I went through that, suffered through that, and then I found the perfect balance basically of, uh, of, of wringing out and cycling water through and adding those drops of, of that soap so that I would have refreshed, good smelling, non-irritating uh, head wrap and neck wrap. And that, and I'm going to repeat what I've said before, that the important lessons I got from Doc Bones and Nurse Amy and their survival medicine podcast and one, the book that I have of theirs is is the uh, the advice to if someone is experiencing heat exhaustion or heat stroke, it's essential to cool them down and. Um, I may I adapted that strategy into a daily a daily practice not just an acute emergency response medical practice but that the the crotch the armpits the neck and the head are places where um well well the head would be auxiliary to the to those to the crotch and the armpits and the neck but if there, but if you can if you have ice obviously that's the best but without having it touch the skin directly but wrapping if you have ice water wrap, ice water is probably is probably a better statement because ice is not is is there are reasons why ice on the on the bare skin is is uh, ill-advised compared to a, a an ice water or a very cold water wrapped fabric clean hygienic fabric piece going in those areas those are the areas that are the 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 highest density of of blood flow um close to the surface of the body so if you can cool the blood you can cool the extremities you can cool everything else so the the the, the bigger the maximum yield of cooling of the entire body occurs by applying cold uh cold 
soak, cold water soaked fabric and fancy ambulances and whatnot, fa fancy paramedics maybe have even other chemical based uh, accessories that would that would that would perform that that function but for me again in solidarity with other climate refugees who can't tap out to go anywhere <laughs> the way that I, I i theoretically could even though it would be the the last resort my situation is that adapting from what i learned from them um i haven't yet out of a sense of fearing being close to death because of the heat. I haven't yet made a, a wet diaper to, <laughs> to go around my crotch and I haven't made a wet vest to go up into my armpits, but I've done okay with the very fashionable uh, and, and scarf, the wet summer scarf, if you will, and the very fashionable wet uh, head wrap. And uh, I only barely started doing this uh, probably the middle of last year's heat. And so it's very nice as the gradient of heat uh, is beginning again to where actually it feels cool to do this now. And it's an exquisite... Um, an exquisite altered state to be in from from just the agony and, and and discomfort and just resting bitch face that comes from being in heat like this uh <laughs> the contortion into a resting bitch face that i have in this heat putting on those that scarf and that headdress of sorts it actually makes me feel very 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 good and very relaxed and very appreciative of the elegance of water and the physics of the evaporation that's happening but in about within about the next 30 days and then for the next 90 days um it's not going to feel cool it's going to feel like hot water in my hands as i as i prepare this and put it on my head it's going to feel hot like feel it's going to feel like hot water on my head and on my neck but it will still have the effect and it will still create that buffer between life and death that i need and uh and i appreciate that and it will get me through but it will not be it will not be it will not feel like a very a very nice cooling effect um and there's all kinds of science that i had to learn about wet bulb temperatures and humidity and how deadly it is to be in a hot humid a heat wave in a humid zone because then your sweat is is essentially useless because there's no capacity left in the air surrounding your skin ambient air surrounding your your skin it has no it's saturated with moisture therefore it cannot consume the moisture coming off of your beads of sweat and therefore the effective temperature change that happens when the sweat from your skin gets sucked into the air and causes a cooling effect if that air is already saturated 
there is no cooling effect and you die. And so I'm thinking more and more that I chose wisely not to do what some of my peers had done when they had some uh, financial abundance, as it were, is go to, well, I don't want to even say the place, but I know a lot of people went to a place or places that are tropical that are very friendly to American semi-expats um, and whatnot. Uh, but as paradisical as those turnkey tropical permaculture eco-village opportunities sounded, to me they were always more than I wanted to more than I wanted to commit my money to. Even uh, yeah, I just I wouldn't have I wouldn't have. I would have exhausted my nest egg faster than I wanted to um, to do that, and uh, I'm more and more, more and more, more and more uh, vigilant against the increasing range of tropical diseases and tropical disease vector bearing insects and whatnot. To where, yeah, I my heart goes out to all of the people roughing it in the tropics because. As beautiful as I've heard that it is and believe it to be, and I want to experience it for sure, uh, if if you're trying to do budget primitive survival, yeah, desert can be extremely hot, but at least it's going to probably not be humid, and therefore measures, countermeasures of, of water misting by various means that, that uh, I've had successes that I'm building on and I'll save that for for a follow-up to talk about my evolution of the water misting effect but applying water and wet damp cloth that's maintained with with a means to keep it from getting totally fouled by uh, microbes um and in a small amount of fan power that I have during the day, I can't sustain it past because just the batteries they just do not um, yeah, it's a hard lesson when you discover that battery banks um it's a real it's a really uh, unfortunate ratio of how much energy can be captured by solar panels and how much can be stored by batteries and how many more batteries you need than solar panels in order to have a the effect of sustaining midday solar energy all the way through the night and the morning until you get back to that midday it's a real I don't know how to describe that sort of um, whatever sine wave uh, chart mapping, graphing, plotting, whatever you want to call it. I, I, I missed that grade. I missed that class. But it's a real dismal economics, that ratio of the efficiency of solar panels to the efficiency of battery storage. I know there are some newer technologies that are, are 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 improving battery efficiency but with all that said i can only run kind of like a box fan or two during the day 
um, until the sun goes down and then, and then the inverter starts screaming and that's the end of that. So I can't, I can't be fanned mechanically, electronically um, in the night when actually, I've mentioned this before and there's lots of science to explore about it, but nights are not necessarily as deadly. I think probably less people die in the night during heat waves or what I experience as a three-month heat wave. Um, probably less people die after the sun goes down, but more people lose their minds <laughs> at night because the psychological impact of not being able to your circadian rhythms kind of expecting to have some respite and relief from a hot summer day. It's like, yeah, you can take a lot of of being beat down by the sun as as long as you're able to recover during the night, which for the most part in most places, that is true. And only usually during extreme heat waves does it cross the line where where your body can no longer do what it needs to do, which is to intelligently drop the core body temperature to do some of the nuanced physiological processes that are beyond the scope of my my uh, biomedical knowledge to elaborate upon. But there are physiological processes that happen during sleep that require your body to successfully engineer a process of dropping the core body temperature i think it was something like a couple of degrees above or below the the normal operating rate uh, to get certain tasks done I, I i had the research more fresh in my mind when i talked about this last year but i'm going to give a refresher because if you're listening to this and you are in a situation where you may have to think about a grid down scenario where you're not living in the climate war the way I'm living in the climate war, uh, you, but you may be thrust into it by a grid failure and all of a sudden you're going back to this episode and dusting it off and saying, what the hell was he talking about? We need to be cautious about the psychological impact amongst other things of night temperatures not dropping to a level to where if it yeah basically there is a range where if the night temperature does not drop below your normal body temperature you are going to be struggling and maybe unsuccessful at getting to that that sweet spot below normal body temperature um that that is going to allow you to 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 fully process not just have sweet dreams that's nice when you have them but there is a sweet spot physiologically speaking for all of the other processes that happen to repair and to restore and to replenish your 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 functioning of your vitality on all the on all levels and you could read the minutia of the details of the the research on that and I glanced it to get to to just have the aha moment to know, yeah, there is. It's not just me. This is science. There is scientific acknowledgement of of how whether it's factors like 
the sun isn't out causing all of this chaos of, of, of wind patterns. And when the sun is gone, maybe this is me being um, anecdotal, but, uh, but I think there's probably some truth to it that when I notice the most mind um, maddening cycles of extreme heat, it's the middle of the night where it's dead calm and there's no breeze of any kind pushing the wind around. Even if the wind being pushed still feels like a blow, a hairdryer at, at, at full force and full heat blowing in your face, it's still, even if it feels like a, a blow dryer in hell, um, it's still doing something to cool you slightly just by moving, moving the, the, uh, the air around ever so slightly uh but when there's no air movement it's the middle of the night that's when i that's when i that's when i feel the worst um and and then it can be very it can very dis, be very disruptive to say the least to have uh the inability to enter rem sleep and a i wouldn't call it insomnia because i'm able to get bouts of sleep in but it's just yeah that that is uh that's that to me that's the worst of it um and also again because i'm at a point in the in the battery bank deficit where i can't run a fan all night long if i could run a fan even just a box fan 24 7 and run automated um uh, water spritzing i think that's I guess I sort of gave I, I, spoiler alert. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm pushing towards, and I've got some of the components uh, to build that out. So I, I, I again I will say that but I will say this is my initiatory ceremonial kickoff of the hell quarter. <laughs> so if, if the Navy SEALs do Hell Week and freeze their balls off. In, the, in, in water, um, I'm gonna call it hell quarter, where I spend three months um, having being being broiled in the desert and um, still have to function and still have to be tactical and still have to operate. <laughs> and uh, there's not a lot of boom and bang uh, operations or training going on, but there is a lot of very practical, maybe you would call it recon type, or um, I'm not, well, I'm not gonna say anything else that would maybe raise eyebrows because I'm not trying to be threatening or intimidating, but I will say that, uh, yeah, well, growing is half the battle and I'm keeping my survival crops alive in extreme conditions and I'm learning more and more what is capable to stay in the fight to survive out here horticulturally speaking and a, and a lot of uh there have been a lot of casualties of that war in my ecosystem but my fish are surviving whereas a number of water plants did not survive and what do i have growing right now let's see in my little hanging garden above the island gardens in my in my chinampa tank um, there's uh, flax, cilantro, borage, mint, um, 
a fig tree and uh and a lot of ferments and i guess technically to some degree some some jar sprouting at at a minimal scale um but yeah far cry from my my bonsai food forest that flourished during the 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 milder months of the the autumn and and somewhat in the spring i guess there's some arugula arugula and amaranth i'm sorry if you um, do you hear me i'm i'm shouting you out arugula and uh and amaranth are hanging in there and actually doing great um but this is micro 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 scale uh minimizing irrigation and uh yeah if i i think it was a jim morrison line uh waiting for the summer rain or in my case praying for the summer rain maybe he said praying for summer rain but um yeah it, it they they happen and i and i caught quite i caught it i i caught a good amount of it last year i'm in a position now to catch about 10 to 100 x more summer rain water than i did last summer but when that happens i get to top off all my tankage and then i get to really ramp up what i'm what i'm able to grow but right now this is the this is the tightest water budget and the tightest irrigation schedule that i've been on since i've been out here growing stuff including myself and so we'll see i will keep you posted for now i am hanging in there and just starting to and this is probably the hardest part because maybe there's three phases there's the the worst part which is which is the uh still being attached to the comfort and the REM sleep and the blankies and the <laughs> the snuggling in my my winter clothes like having to shed that and be weaned off the comfort of being bundled up over the winter and the spring and having cool crisp mornings the gradient of going into the madness that is the the midsummer right now i'm in the worst part which is still having a taste of the milder milder breezes and milder mornings and having to feel them and let go of them it's like breaking up in a relationship and having to still talk about who's going to come over when to pick up the sweater that they left in the drawer or whatever you know you still have to be reminded it will be probably the mo- the most uh psychologically sustainable part is in the middle where you've lost all memory of what it was like that you don't remember anything of what life was like before it was 120 degrees during the day and 105 to 110 at the coolest point through the night and the morning and that's the reality and you just stagger as much you stagger from shade to shaded med tent to shaded uh kitchenette tent or whatever you want to call it and try not to collapse in between so that 
lest you become ant food and rat food and all kinds of other food. Um, that's, that's the reality. And avoid hyponatremia, if I'm remembering the word correctly, the imbalance of electrolytes that, that make you dead just as bad. But at least during that midpoint, you can't, you, <laughs> your ears are melting out your brain. You don't remember what it was like to ever feel cool and nothing will be cool or feel cool for another couple of months. So at least you have the, at least you're in, you're in that zone. And then not as bad as the, not as bad as now, <laughs> but but better than, or sorry, uh, worse than the middle, but not as bad as the beginning. The final phase, I would say, is where at the very end, you start to actually get the cool breezes and the cool mornings and the first layer that you put on and the first blanket that you put on and the first dreams that come back and the first sense of sanity that comes back. That happens, in my experience, mid-September is when you start to get relief. But it's the sense that you just... Um, in the, I guess in the middle, I've discovered that that I have to be a trooper and I've accepted that, so I'm, I'm a little bit more psychologically resilient. But that lasts up to a point, and then you're starting to, to beg for the relief that comes from the breaking temperatures. And whereas you were hiding, or whereas, whereas I was chasing and praying for the sun and cursing the clouds <laughs> in the winter and getting up and posturing myself to catch the earliest and first sun rays and just putting my hands out, stretching them out to be to be uh, uh, blessed by the, 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 the first early morning warmth of the sun rays. Going from that extreme of humility, of sun worship, and then the total polar opposite of cloud worship and rain worship and well it's always rain worship but def but the, the the juxtaposition of the extreme of cloud worship and shade worship and breeze worship you start to be a cryberry a crybaby yearning for that when you know it's possibly getting closer as the seasons are changing and you're just like, you look at the days, you look at the hours, like how could it still be this hot? Isn't this fall for everybody else in the rest of the world? Or many places in the world, in the hemisphere at least, <laughs> other than me. And you get a little bit pissier and a little bit more... Uh, yeah, a little bit more pathetic in that phase. So I'm just, I guess, yeah, prepping myself a little bit psychologically, but it's all about positive mental attitude, PMA. That's the PSA is PMA. So water is life.
it will keep you alive and even in the World War II Army survival manuals they said to do exactly what I'm doing and what I've done to survive these last two summers in the field and that is get naked lay down in the shade blast fans if you if you have them and keep the body moist with water and be hygienically intelligent about the wear and tear on the skin in that state of moisture and the um and and take measures to inhibit the growth of any form of pathogenic microbiology on the skin or on the linens surrounding it and be very careful to if water is limited I'd be very careful about how you I mean I've gone to dry cleaning my 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 bedding in the baking sun as a form of uh, disinfection because it's otherwise just a swamp of me and all my death of dermis <laughs> and all my linens so I, I pound out the dead dust and sand and I let them bake after being soaked by me but it is a good thing to note that uh, if it's just sweating drinking water and sweating it out it unless I've somehow become immune to the stench of it it really is not the same as like a bunch is like stinky socks and stinky armpits um there's there's a, a some form of a of blessing and a grace that is in that in high temperatures sweating out into linens into bedding and whatnot um it it tends to at a certain point it's not it's not stinky locker room gnarly moist fabrics i think mainly because it's still aerobic it's not sitting in a locker or a gym bag or or, or in shoes that are anaerobic I, I believe probably i would have to test this with scientific experimentation but i believe that because it's kind of open air and i'm rotating my potential bed sores enough to where and and if I can rotate the rotate the lens, get them baked in the sun, yeah, they don't they don't really get stinky. They don't really get that functified. They'll get pretty pretty stiff and rigid. And I and I would love to have some fabric softening, freaking fluffy dryer that's gonna make them all nice and huggable. But no, they end up being like stiff. Uh, stiff cardboard after a while but uh, anyway hope you never have to endure this or experience this there are people less fortunate than me that have, have even less of what I have as options who are gonna die this summer and uh, I hope it wasn't because they were forced out of economic necessity 
to work as wage slaves in the industrial economy of globalization and that they died in the middle of a factory assembly line or a agricultural field and they just dropped dead because they had to work during the heat. I have the privilege and luxury to be laid up in my pseudo med tent and just tend to myself and try to uh, surf this fine line between heat exhaustion and heat stroke and death. But if I meet my maker, my affairs are pretty well squared away. My documents are in order. My revocable living trust is in the hands of legal counsel and successor trustees. There's not a lot to fight over. It's very simple and humble. And as far as my crypto goes, it's called a gift to the network. If nobody hacks my private keys, then that then, then those entries into the blockchain ledger will never move again and it will be as good as burnt and it will be liquidity that will never thaw out. It'll be like a glacier that never gets melted <laughs> to raise the, to, to raise the, uh, the ocean. It'll just be frozen for eternity. And, uh, and that is a, that will be my, my, my wink and my nudge to give back to the network because so far no one in my life has stepped up to be a team player with with uh, what's what you would call cryptocurrency estate planning and the level of the level of um, of, of, of math wizardry that's required to do that in a way where you are Byzantine fault tolerant in the sense that in the adversarial environment of estate planning, you don't want your lawyer to have your private keys. You don't want your, you know, I don't have kids. You don't want your next of kin to have your private keys. You don't want the probate court to have your private keys. You need to have a mathematical algorithm as the uh, custodian of your crypto estate and as much as I now know how to actually program the code to do that I have I have yet to have even any of my successor trustees want to play that game um, although it's not the hardest game to play and I think even as someone who, who to whom math has always broke my head and made me feel dumb <laughs> and hate life I've learned to love math. I've learned to become a math archist, if you will, politically speaking. And uh, and I would love to find more people who want to talk shop about crypto estate planning, lest our bags, our crypto holdings, end up when we expire. They end up just being locked forever on the blockchain and end up being a a gift to the network. So, yeah, that's the state of affairs. Wish me luck. I will 
my 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 uh, intellectual capacity will continue to degrade slowly over time. You will notice my voice changing <laughs> over the next few months, and I may uh, I may emit these transmissions on a less frequent basis. But if I have the whim to share a thought, I will take a moment, set aside, and I will share it in this format because. Um, I do notice that there that there is a bit of uh, an uptick in in listenership, and I'm gonna try to honor that and uh, and create content that is from the heart and from the balls and from the head, and uh, hopefully it helps you. Um, and I will make a shout out to my Patreon that you can get to. You go to my website tacticalpermaculture.com join membership takes you to my Patreon and every drop in that bucket helps and uh, eventually hopefully with enough support I will be able to do the all element base tactical permaculture rollout across the world following the lead of Jeff Lawton the containerization of tactical permaculture backed by the people working for the people working for the land not for the man and the hard lessons that I've learned flying solo doing the lone wolf thing They'll make for such an elegant force of units, of of small units of people doing this that I would be financing to do it. They would not have to suffer the way I'm suffering, but they also would have the lessons learned to where we could be living like the royalty of the Arabic nations and the Indian nations and all of those who experienced the beautiful ancient permaculture, the the technologies that are in the permaculture design course and manual about how to funnel air over water and then into a lower point in a room that's all built with stone and all angled in a certain way to the sun and with awareness of the prevailing winds. I'm talking about pattern literacy in harmony with energy flows cyclically in nature. That will keep you cool. That will keep you warm. That will give you comfortable living and working conditions year-round by permaculture design doing things that you could have done a thousand years ago and you could do a thousand years from now with or without strip mining the ocean and the Congo and enslaving people to have greenwash battery powered this, this and that or fossil fuel burn baby burn carbon burning energy 
there are so many nuances and sweet spots to be to behold if we do permaculture right and it can be done in any climate anywhere in the world and we can moderate those extremes <laughs> moderate the extremes that is a uh, that's a bumper sticker for perm- for tactical permaculture <laughs> and it's good advice for everyone in this in this uh political climate moderate the extremes the permaculture way cheers Oh